You pressed play on this podcast with the click of curiosity. It is another dimension, a dimension of mind, a dimension where nothing is sacred and everything is explainable. You're streaming into a land of both inside and outside of things and ideas. You've just crossed over into the midside. Welcome to the midside where we've been straight edge long before any study by Bill Gates. At least I have. Who am I? I'm your host, Justin Emlesneski, the hopeful bromantic, and I retroactively and proactively denounce anything anyone has ever said and ever will say on this show. And probably in life in general at this point. It's probably just best for everyone to retroactively and proactively denounce anything you ever have said or will say. I think that's that's probably best nowadays. So let's just not say on this show, we'll just say in life. Joining me this trip on this show for the next hour or so from Dale's Lawn, identifying as a woman to forgo his white male gay privilege, William Green. Stop oppressing me with your straight edge. <laughs> hello, hello, Sorry, everyone. I can't help it. No, no. Uh, wow, what an incredible week we've had. Uh, had a nice little short trip up uh, up into Northern California. Came back last night. Uh, of course, my plane was delayed for no apparent reason, but uh, made it back. Uh, the dogs... No uh, apparent reason? You live in California. That's all <laughs> the reason you need. <laughs> yeah, I think they were waiting for fuel from Russia, so... Um, Sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, the dogs are exhausted because they got to go to their favorite uh, dog sitter... Um, which, uh, they, the, the dog sitter has a couple dogs, a couple kids. And so all, all Remy, Remy, the puppy does is run around. And so he's, he's literally moved exactly three times since we've gotten home. Uh, and those times, uh, were when I went up to bed and when I came back downstairs. So, uh, he's, he's snoozing. So it's probably, he's going to need to go outside, uh, sit in the sun. He's, he's solar powered. So he'll, he'll, he'll charge up his batteries and then we'll, uh, we'll be back to regular shenanigans. I'm sure by this afternoon. I have a question about the airplane thing. I was just thinking about this. You know how in California cars need to use a specific blend of gasoline? Ah, yeah. It's, it's whatever Carolina, uh, Carolina, whatever Car- California's <laughs> specific specific blend is. Yeah. Is it the same thing for airplanes flying out of California? I don't know. Or because those are questions. Airports I, I, are federal, I don't think right? they could do that, right? Because yeah. I think the federal government would uh, have something to say about that. But who knows, right. man? I bet it's just a good old jet fuel. Yeah, just interesting. Just interesting. Well, I'm glad to hear things are going well for you. One of the things that all one of the things that always impresses me about you is you're always going someplace and your skills are always in demand. So I think that's that's pretty cool and that's something that people who listen to the show can take away from uh, your contributions here. Always be in demand. Yeah, and and build a skill set that is always in demand on a high level. Excellent. How did you do that in life? Uh, I think it's. I think part of it is realizing what I was, what I was good at, and not trying to be, not trying to compare myself and be the best at something compared to other people. So uh, for me, it's always been, um, it's always been like the integration side of things, meaning like getting people to build the complex things, not necessarily being the expert in one particular technical thing. So, uh, 
So just give myself permission to flit around on the technical side, but to just really focus on like, how do you get people to actually build this thing? How do you get people to work together and actually do this like thing? There's a lot of times I think a lot of, a lot of people can go really deep on the technical side. There's a lot of people who can do that, but, but they end up being, um, you know, like a thousand people who know how to make one little piece of something, but, but putting it all together is a, a skill all on its own. Very, very well said. And I think, uh, I think we see that when we talk about art on this show, right? I think a lot of people actually, that's yeah. very much related to the review I'm going to, to do today where oh, I man. saw where the crawdads sang. So I'll just leave that sitting there. I think what you just said is very relevant to what we always talk about with art. And I'm just going to leave that there. And before we get into all that, we have to talk about everything that's happened in the world and in our own lives in the past week. So let's do that in. Life on the Midside. As always, if you'd like to support the show, you can do so through Patreon or Locals. Patreon is per episode. Locals is per month. Uh, this past week, I finally got to go through all of the emails I've gotten from Patreon and Locals to you know, say when deposits were made or when you know somebody signed up to, to support us. Uh, basically, I, I got to finally do the ledger because I'm in the middle of summer break, but you know, wrestling has slowed down a little bit because even though I had break before, there was a lot of wrestling over the first sort of month and a half of summer break. So I finally got to do that, and I just wanted to say to everybody out there, hey, thanks. There's a lot more uh, support going on than I, I initially thought, and I think that's pretty cool. We have really consistent support here in the midside, and I really, really appreciate that because sometimes, especially recently when I look at the numbers, uh, they're down a little bit. It kind of makes me go, is the show quality lacking? Are we losing a fan base? But I, I think, need to take uh, my I shirt we... off. <laughs> yeah, do I need to? Do we need to make this a, a cam show where I take my shirt <laughs> off and put, put my shoe on my head? Um, but yeah, it, it, it was very, uh, it was very rewarding. It was very affirming. You know, we have a very consistent fan base, and I appreciate that here in the midside. I appreciate all of you because sometimes we say some crazy shit. Like, remember the episode that was named. Uh, in a way that could be seen as attacking objectivists as a joke, right? I know that caused somebody to unsubscribe. Maybe they only saw the title and didn't realize we were joking. And, you know, we take sort of stances that every side could get mad at. And, I, you know, we lost... How many people did we lose during the pandemic, William? Oh, man. Oh, man. We lost We lost our one Canadian listener. Um, <laughs> we lost... Uh, yeah, we, there were a lot of people who got very upset. And, I, like... like it's uh it's one of those things where where you know when we disavow things we're doing that because we often bring a ton of context and nuance to a discussion and for some people they 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 kind of freeze up you know there's certain topics that i think everybody has that where they kind of freeze up and they 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 bring these preconceived conclusions to or it's an area that they're struggling with and it and it can drum up some like uncomfortable emotions and sometimes uh, people can't handle that at that point in their life and I think covid was one of those times where some people it just kind of knocked people off their uh 
off their reason for a bit. Yeah, and the disavowal is facetious, but it's a, it's also what you said, where when we're bringing context, and very many times we're asking questions, and we're just pointing out and saying, hey, this doesn't make yeah. sense. We're not providing the answer. I don't think we've ever been 100% wrong. Now, I'm not saying, uh, you know, on the other side of that, we've never been 100% right. We certainly weren't 100% William, right on COVID. my degree from FU says you are 100% correct. I've, I've been 100% correct. Yeah, that's true. You you have been 100% correct. I take that back. I was the, right there. I was 0% correct. William was 100% correct. Anyway, the point of all of this is, thank you. And if any of you want to join that loyal, consistent fan base, you can do so by going to midside.com slash Patreon or the midside.com slash locals. As you see, we accept any and all support, including affirmations, especially yeah. affirmations. And we'll definitely be, uh, uh, the, the uh, beatings will continue until Justin posts them on Patreon and locals on time. So. <laughs> I'm so bad about posting on Patreon. Locals, I don't have to because it's subscription, but I'm so bad about posting because I get in this weird headspace. You ever, you know, when you were younger and you were like, well, I can't text now because I just texted that. And you get in your head where you're like talking yourself like eight different ways. Well, I'll like forget once and then I'll be like, well, I can't post these like two days in a row because it's a weekly show. So I get in this weird headspace where I don't want to piss off the supporters <laughs> by post like. So last week I didn't post on Monday, but I'm always a week behind. So then I posted yesterday. Nope, and we should still be a week episode. ahead on the Patreon. We, we should use our time travel and uh, post the post the show a week ahead. All right, well, listeners, we're Friday. gonna do, we're gonna get him caught up. We're gonna do we're gonna do a, a, a double post or something. Get caught up so that Justin can uh, can stop feeling guilty about posting. Well, let me, okay, let me ask you that because, like I was just saying, on Friday I was gonna have three to post, and I posted one. So can I post two tomorrow when this episode comes out? I say do it. Okay, I'm we might do we it. might lose our one um, uh, Ethiopian listener whose uh, bank account only has one dollar in it that he that uh, he puts in every week. But other than that, I, I definitely disavow that comment. Just just to be clear. <laughs> All right, we're ready to move forward. Uh, well, if we if we still have a show, let's go. <laughs> I don't know if we have a show after that joke, William. All right. So another thing I was able to do this past week because of a little extra time is listen to some older music. And when I say older, I mean from like the past 10 years or so. It's just stuff I haven't listened to in a while because on Spotify, I've noticed that the algorithm gets you stuck in like the same sort of 20 songs. So we've replaced radio with Spotify. And there's a lot of good music that's come out in the past couple of years, but I've been listening to like the same 20 songs from 2022. So I'm back and I listened to a little bit of Nerdcore. And one song by uh, Dr. Awkward, who now, uh, he works in uh, the video game industry, I believe. He no longer makes music. But it really, some of the lyrics kind of struck me a little bit. The song is High Fives. It's sort of one of those songs about, you know, the nostalgia of the 90s. It's, a, it's about the, you know, what it was like to be a 90s kid. And the lyrics kind of just struck me. So we pulled out a couple drops here just so you guys can hear it. And then I just want to talk a little bit about what stuck out to me. High five for the 90s kids who had a crush on the banger the way I did. And rock LA lights to be like Mike. And then we'll flip a top card in the smoke to get biking. You want the other one too? Yeah. All right, here's the next one. Born and raised, hands up for the thief on Cookie Crisp. Morgan Trail on the five-inch floppy disk. If you caught Tamagotchi fever, you had the Yikes pencils and Trapper Keepers. Hands up for the good old days before the YouTube or the MySpace craze. We kids used to play outside without the high pads of the candle fire. 
Now, William, what really stuck out to me about this song, and granted, you know, we're not kids anymore, so maybe it's different for us versus kids, but I don't think so. What stuck out to me here is all the references he made about the 90s, I understood, and I would venture that 80% of the people who grew up in the 90s understood those. Oh, I bet and it's it more mean, like 100%. There's nothing uh, There's nothing in those that, if you grew up in America, I don't think, there's a, there's a whole lot of shared culture there. Okay, so how many, what percent of people would we say were homeschooled in the 90s? You don't think that homeschoolers had trapper keepers? You couldn't avoid in the in the in the shopping in, in, in Meyer. You couldn't walk around without uh, without the back to school aisle being full of trapper trapper keepers. So you brought your trapper keeper from your bedroom to your kitchen for your homeschooling. I'm just saying they would know what it is. Oh, okay, fair enough. They would know what it is. Fine. We'll go with a hundred percent then. I didn't want to be so strong. I was trying to underestimate at eighty percent, but fine. I'll take a hundred. So you're making my point for me, right? A hundred percent. Nowadays. I don't even know how you would make a song like this about what's going on. I think you could have made this song in the 90s, right? All the things they're referencing, all the things Dr. Awkward was referencing, all the things he was referencing, sorry. Uh, I think you could have made this song then. Now, I don't know where you would. And it, it, it got me thinking. There doesn't seem to be that general shared culture anymore. And I think that's probably why you left in the part about YouTube and MySpace and everything. Yeah, yeah, I did. William? Yeah. Because... I was just trying to think, you know, when was the last time there was sort of a, a shared culture? And I went to Box Office Mojo and I looked at the, the top lifetime grosses domestically for movies. And I looked at, you know, the top 10. And when we look at the top 10 here, all of these, first of all, it's shocking to me the number of these that are owned by Disney, first of all. So maybe the shared culture is just Disney. But even then, these are properties Disney bought. And besides Spider-Man No Way Home, the latest after that is 2019, and then everything seems to be more mid or early, you know, 2010s. You know, we got The Force Awakens, Avengers Endgame, Spider-Man No Way Home, Avatar, Black Panther, Avengers Affinity War. So a lot of this is, it's really Star Wars and Marvel, which were built in the 90s, right? And built in the 80s. So Avengers Endgame is probably the last major cultural event that everyone shared. And even then, I don't know if it's everyone. So it's just an interesting observation I had. You know, it used to be everyone had a Trapper Keeper. I don't think it's like that anymore. I think everybody has a lot of different things. What do you yeah. think of, of my observation, William? I think that's probably right. Um, it's, uh, you know, some of that probably has to do with the, you know, the the explosion of the Internet really, you know, us as 90s kids, like the Internet was a thing that we grew up with, but not uh, it hadn't had that um, that. uh for lack of a better word, like diversification effect quite yet, right? That fragmentation effect quite yet. Um, it was still, it, it sort of took on the, like, like you, you found other people with other interests on the internet. I feel like now, um, now that it's hard to put myself in, in the position of people growing up now where, uh, that sense of belonging is still sought after, 
and there's a ton of conformity that always happens, you know, growing up, you want to fit in, you want to conform with you know, the people around you, but there's, there's not this shared, like, there's not this shared art, this shared, um, culture, these, uh, shared things that you go through. Like even think of like, you know, a, a common thing for all of us growing up is getting a driver's license, right? Like even something like that now is just not a thing anymore. Right. It's just nobody really, that's not like a life event. Like it was for many, many, like many kids from like the sixties the, the on. Right. Very true. Very true. There are a lot of kids nowadays who don't, don't get driver's licenses. Which well, is and very, don't even feel like it has anything to do with them, like, and who they are, right? Like, yeah. you remember how devastating it would have been, like, if at 16 you, like, failed your driver's training, right? And you didn't get your license, yeah. right? Like, that was, like, you know, the end of the world sort of thing, right? Yeah. So, it's it's all this is just, to me, is just an interesting thought that shows kind of why we're more divided nowadays, right? We always talk about we need to be more united. Everyone, Everything's tearing apart. Well, this is part of it. We have nothing that we share. We have nothing that's in common, except maybe negative things. I mean, you could really argue, William, that the last sort of huge cultural thing that we all shared is the pandemic and the subsequent riots. And I put yeah. all of those together, right? Because they happen yeah. so uh, so sequentially, so right next to each other in time. And think about how negative those events are. So the one thing we share is a destructive thing, essentially. Yeah. I guess, uh, I guess, I mean, yeah, it, 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 is trauma the new, uh, the new thing is, is the next rap song that would be like this, the next nerdcore rap song like this was so just to be listing off your traumas and starting with nine eleven and then just, um, talking about white privilege and, um, you know, moving forward, the pandemic and, uh, and, uh, uh, Trump and, and, uh, pussy hats and Harvey Weinstein. Like what, what is that what it's going to be? I mean, I think you're onto something. I think you're onto something because, you know, we we take aim at social justice a lot, but social justice is just sort of the wrong medicine to the sort of right disease. And what I mean by that is not the victimhood aspect of it. That's the wrong medicine. The the disease is really, like you said, trauma, because what divides is trauma. And I, I think that's that's part of what it what you're talking about with the internet and everything, I think it's exacerbated people's trauma rather than help them. It has people dig in and, and delve and devolve into groups that have people, I don't know, it's almost celebrate your trauma and the victimhood, right? I mean, think about incel, right? I mean, without going too far into my past, I wouldn't have been an incel, but I definitely wasn't dating i wasn't having relationships and i definitely had issues with my relationship with myself and the way i viewed girls and romance and sexuality but i also didn't have a group of people telling me i was a victim because of it and i i I don't know if i define quote-unquote trauma which is the tough thing about that word william right yeah as we call everything trauma nowadays which is probably part of the, the social justice but you know i did have psychological issues that i had to work through Right. I worked through them on my own and then eventually I had to get therapy because I ended up in an unhealthy relationship and had to deal with it that way. So essentially, I think something you're pointing out when you say trauma is part of this division and no longer shared culture is everyone is using what's available to them to evade 
fixing their own issues, which then only further divides us. Yeah, and I think there's a huge aspect of, um, and, uh, you know, because you know me, I'm I'm always an optimist. Um, There's a huge aspect of we have this incredible um, culture change, this positive culture change in that um, there's this infinite number of choices, right? And it's quite explicit that there's so many choices, so much variety and so much uh, uh, possibility, more so than ever before. And that there, we don't give people the uh, skills to handle that, right? Like we know, like just a very basic psychological thing about humans. You know, if you give them like three or four things to choose from, um, and they make a choice, uh, they'll be very happy from from their choice. But you give them like twelve or thirteen different things to choose from, no matter what their choice, they're going to be unhappy with their choice because they, they feel like there's so many other aspects. They could have gotten a better kind of could have gotten better or they made the wrong choice, right? Like there's, and we don't give people the skills to deal the psychological skills to deal with that sort of thing. And we, we see, uh, we see what kind of unhappiness that brings people. And, and that just gets compounded and compounded and compounded today because we just have so many more choices open to us. And, uh, and so I think part of it is, Learning, you know, figuring out and learning what those skills are and making sure that that those are in your life where you don't feel like you've made a bad choice just because there's so many choices out there. Yeah. And when you're talking about uh, people not having those skills, I think that goes right into the first news story I wanted to talk about when we start talking about homelessness. Right. Especially in California. I think a lot of that comes from people not having the skills. So they get evasive. Right. And they start doing drugs or they don't take care of their mental health. Yeah. So uh, it's interesting how what you just said flows so well here. So uh, a ridiculous story. I forget. Somebody might have said this to me. I don't remember, but it's still absolutely absurd. And it sort of points out the dangers lurking beneath this homeless problem that uh, nobody really wants to talk about. I mean, Dr. Drew's talked a little bit about them being. Uh, cesspools for germs and about how you know that that becomes a petri dish for disease but there are other issues here too so california police discover underground bunker full of stolen goods in homeless encampment chandler was, uh, it's all your in- fault <laughs> yes chandler i don't know why you did this i don't know why you're trying to organize an army of homeless people in california is this like but- preparing for the zombie apocalypse I mean, just to connect to what Dr. Drew was saying, if you remember during right before the pandemic and then during the pandemic, Dr. Drew was warning us because like he was like, hey, these homeless encampments like they're spreading. I forgot which. Do you remember what disease it was? Because it was all over San Diego for a bit. And then it was up here in L.A. And he was like, you know, like I, I it, it was like the plague or something. Right. It's like something that like, yeah, like you're not like modern societies are not supposed to have. But like because it's of the something homeless that encampments. sounds like Asiago, but Asiago is like a spice. But it's, <laughs> yeah, it's not Asiago, but something that sounds like that. Uh, this was all pre printed. All by all by disease uh, uh, knowledge has been pushed out by covid knowledge. So uh, but someone I'm sure someone on discord or one of the listeners will re- remind us. But yeah. So like I think it connects back to that even. Right. So not only do uh, homeless encampments have Asiago, they have uh, lots of stolen merchandise, which I mean, I think this is the zombie apocalypse, William, because the zombies are arming themselves. Right. We see this as sort of yeah. army of the dead style. So did they pick it up commercial- from the, the trains they robbed in, in downtown L.A. or, or somewhere <laughs> else? Uh, probably from well, the stores. This- I mean, like, what, dude, like you have to steal like 
well, thanks to inflation, I guess that this is improving the situation. But you have to steal like thousands of dollars before anyone will even care out of a store now. So, well, and that's if you're a law-abiding citizen. They don't care what you do if you're homeless. So, and I mean, who knows what they have in the LA encampments? This one is a a uh, San Jose encampment because it said San Jose police. I was just there. I should have checked this place out. You should have, and you should have gotten some of the stuff. I could have picked up a new shotgun. Yeah. Yeah. So apparently a commercial burglary incident led San Jose police to an underground bunker at a homeless encampment containing thousands of dollars in stolen merchandise. Apparently it's approximately $100,000 worth of stolen goods. Um, That's still not enough for a down payment on a house, Justin. Just want to point that out. Well, that's why they're homeless. They were trying to steal enough. They were trying to save up for a house. (laughs) They were just going to go to the bank. We're really going to get canceled this episode. (laughs) Here, here's my collateral for my mortgage, and they were like, oh, it's, "It's in this hole." $100, like you draw like a treasure map, like in uh, in Goonies, <laughs> and you're like, "It's here." <laughs> Go to One Eyed Willie's, and you'll have all and, your yeah, turn, uh, collateral. <laughs> turn right at the right, rickety bridge. Well, actually, it's at the side of a creek. Right, pictures included in the post show a bunker built into the side of a creek with items recovered, including dozens of power tools, construction equipment, and three shotguns accompanied by boxes of ammunition. This is a side of a creek. It sounds like they're building a castle with a moat, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it does. They're, they are preparing for the zombie. Forget that this is the zombie apocalypse. They're preparing for it. Police say the bunker was elaborate and was equipped with electricity, which they believe was plugged into somebody else's source. I mean, look, if... Wait, you're, you're, wait, Justin, you're telling me they did not pay their electrical bill? That's, uh, oh, I, I think that's, uh, that's anti-homeless. That's, uh, that's, that, that is, that is besmirching the unhoused. I was going to go a step further and say, I mean, they're not equality in, in the, uh, the train tracks here figuring out electricity, right? Because, oh, these hey, maybe they, per- is the cow, yeah. uh, no, I think that the, I, I think the, uh, the BART is, a uh, motorized, right? It's not electrified, is it? I don't know. I haven't been I on it. I don't know. Yeah, Neither yeah, but, but maybe they're just drawn straight from the train tracks if it's uh, if it's electrified. I actually don't know if I would ever go on a subway again for this reason, right? Besides the fact that you know during the pandemic the subway was shown to be a cesspool, right? That's where a lot of people got yeah. COVID in New York City. These are isn't the that ironic? Because it's on. like airplanes are like relatively safe because of the high like you know air turnover and, and shit like that and then like yeah. we have these trains which have like almost no restriction on like weight or power or anything it's like oh no we've never had good ventilation on a subway train right right and then you have these type of people on there right so i mean this is absolutely insane it it, it really makes you rethink even saying that these people are on drugs or they have mental health problems like this is a serious issue if they have that much s- stolen goods and Dude, when oh, you start man. talking there's, about... You know that. You know there's some crime syndicate that's, like, taking advantage of this, right? Like, yeah. these, these folks are... Th- this is a labor pool just like any other, right? Yes. Uh, they just they just want to work for something else. Well, that's why I reference Army of the Dead. You get your Zeus in there, and look what you've got, right? You just need one person who can organize this. And look at all the stuff they're stealing. I don't know. This yeah. is... Yeah. To me, this is another sign of California going. But down are the they paying? I, I, Justin, I have a very important question. Uh, are they paying their unsecured property tax? Because if the assessor walks in there and sees a hundred thousand dollars worth of product, um, I'm as a taxpayer, I'm going to tell you that that's a that's a lot of unsecured property tax, at least here in LA County. 
Yeah, I don't even know how to respond to that, to be honest with you. That's that's okay. so far... Like like Adam Kroll has always said, right? This is one of the best things he said, is they only tax and they only punish people in California who follow the rules. The people who can't and don't follow the rules don't get punished. And this is an example of it. This is an example of it. Like you said, people taking advantage of the way the homeless are treated. Yeah. They're always unintended side effects. Yeah, and, and we're talking. Uh, that's about, a great. Yeah. That's a great way to put it because you know, there's this uh, this uh, Rousseauian romanticized version of the homeless, and uh, so whenever we're cracking jokes about this stuff, you know, it's someone who has that Rousseauian romantic view of the homeless, you know, the person who uh, you know got fired and uh, couldn't pay rent and got kicked out of their house, like this is not. This is in general not the folks that are out on Venice Beach. Um, uh, swinging axes, right? These are not the same uh, folks. Yo ho! <laughs> is it, is that that's high ho, right? I think so. Okay, that's, that's what me, what's what you made me think of, though, right? You don't they don't all become dwarfs in the mine, right? That's true. That's true. That's sort of the romanticized version that that's what these homeless people are doing. They're going out and they're where's the Futurama know, hobos? You know. <laughs> Uh, but when we're talking about unintended consequences, I think the next story shows that gay couple sues fertility clinic because their child is a girl when they wanted boys. William, I'm confused. I'm going to say something controversial about this. This story. Do- let me get this straight. This doctor assigned the wrong sex at birth. Yeah, well, that's the first thing, right? That's the, the sort of surface level is how can you. If, as we've talked, unfortunately, in the gay community, in the LGBTQ plus AARP, right, whatever it is, yep, you have to follow a certain belief system. And if that belief system says, you know, gender is a construct and people don't know what their gender is, how can you say what the gender of your child is? Are you that concerned about the the uh, plumbing, so to speak, of your child, the, the pure physical aspects of your child? That's the first thing. That seems to be contradictory. But we don't know what these people actually believe. But I think what we do know is, I think there is no greater example of privilege, William, than this story. I think when you talk about what privilege actually looks like, I think this is privilege. So a little bit of details here. A gay couple in Pasadena was surprised in 2021 when their surrogate gave birth to a baby girl instead of a baby boy, and now they're suing the fertility clinic that performed the in vitro fertilization. The couple alleges they spent around 300000 for several rounds of IVF and the surrogate, oh, and the surrogate, and expect their costs to skyrocket because they still plan on having two boys in addition to their daughter. The San Sanig, how do you say that? The the Sang- Sanagers. Uh, I think Sanagers. I think we'll just spell that out. We'll we'll we'll, we'll post this in Discord. <laughs> that was the problem well, I was having. Yeah, I'm gonna say okay. Sanagers. That's what I'm gonna say. Even though there's not two A's, I'm gonna say Sanagers because you okay. could very much like make this a slur this against be... people who live in the Middle East. Yeah, this <laughs> sounds like yeah. This this gets too close to something that I'm not allowed to say. 
said they decided on their kids' names and even got Gmail addresses before they were married in 2013. They wanted two boys, and now they say... This is the most narcissistic thing I've ever heard. Exactly. They want to pay a lot to have their two boys because of HRC and Kalb negligently, recklessly, and or intentionally transferred a female embryo to the Sanager's gestational carrier. Now, wait first a minute. All, now, gestational carrier was my uh, <laughs> pop punk band name in, in high school. But so how dare they? <laughs> Imagine calling your surrogate gestational, gestational carrier. carrier. Oh, Dehumanizing. And that's the narcissism, though, William. Oh, They're it's just everywhere. That's what I said when I read this quote. I just couldn't help myself but giggle. Oh, I what mean, a sad. Well, like, uh,. Gays, let's have a let's have a quick talk. All of you. Um when, <laughs> up, when up, the breeders <laughs> when the breeders have kids, it's fifty fifty, usually. And they don't know. And the fact that you can uh order on a menu a baby is kinda gross. And if you get a boy instead of a girl and you say all this shit about boys versus girls, aren't you just playing into all those gender stereotypes that, you know, the the religion of LGBTQIA plus AARP stand against? A hundred percent. And think about this, right? Because breeders could potentially do this in the future, right? This could just be a look into the future. Oh, yeah. That, yeah, this is a look into the future for sure. I mean, we've talked right. about, like, there's, like, and, and, and it will have positive effects as well, right? Like, there's, there's things that you can uh, do with uh, genetics um, soon that we'll be able to, you know, uh, get rid of disease, uh, even out certain things, right? They like do, you know, do great things with it. And, uh, yeah, there's a, for narcissists, this is going to be incredibly gross. And, uh, and there's going to be lots of ethical, this is a terrible ethical quandary too, right? Like you're, you're paying all this money and, uh, and then you're saying like, you don't like the product at the end, but this is a human, right? That there's a difference right. here that you're not, the, the, the narcissism is, uh, uh blinding them to. Right. And that's why it's tough to find a metaphor for this. Right. This is like you can't say what if somebody brought you the same meal or brought you the wrong meal and you eat it and then you say, well, I'm going to sue you because I still want to pay for the steak I didn't get. Right. You brought me the wrong type of steak, but I still want that other steak. That doesn't work because it's a human. It's it still kind of shows the grossness of it. I mean, imagine this idea. They're suing because they're saying our costs are going to skyrocket because we still plan to have two boys in addition to their daughter. What about, like you said, in the history of time, every family who's wanted two boys but ended up with a daughter and still chose to have those two boys? Do do they? Who do they sue? Do they sue the uh, universe? The do they sue God? I know. I guess they sue. Well, I guess in olden times, you know, isn't isn't that what Henry VIII uh, like blamed the one of his wives for not having boys? That's why he yeah. uh, married. But we all know it's the man. So I guess you. Well, wasn't Henry the Ace right? the one who cut off all the heads of his wives? I uh, I don't know. That's all British history. I I, <laughs> I went to I went to Durand area high school. We didn't. We, British history was uh, was optional. Oh, I thought maybe he cut off her head because she was having the wrong type of babies. But there's all there's two different things here, William. Right? What I'm trying to get at. One, there's yeah, okay, I get it. You're upset that you didn't get the the gender of the baby you wanted. But also, there are a lot of things you're not going to get with your kid that you may want, and you can't prescribe these things. You can't be like, if I had a oh, kid, yeah, the, I, I want like, the kid to be my kid's going to be a wrestler. Yeah, I want like, the kid to be intelligent. I want him to be good at baseball. I want him. I right. want him to be. I want him to like sewing. 
Uh, I want them to uh, uh, like uh, Newfound Glory. I'm returning my baby if, it, if if the baby does not like Newfound Glory. So every time, just make a, a check mark or make a, a tally. Uh, yeah, mark, I'm going to make a you're... list. Oh yeah, yeah, let's do that. Uh, yeah, my my child is going to uh, enjoy sports. Uh, will be tall, of course, you know, because I mean, Justin, he'll never get any ladies, right? He'll, you know, if he's not tall, uh, uh, he. False. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm just trying to play every stereotype, right? I know. Uh, let's see. Uh, uh, he will need to have a great singing voice. Um, will uh, need to play guitar. Um, let's see. Uh, yeah. I don't know if and, you can uh, say he with a great singing voice, right? Because we only nowadays say oh, minorities and only, women can sing yeah. well, right? That's if right. you're black, uh, well, then, uh, if you're a fat well, black woman, you have to be a well. minority. Yeah. 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 But okay, so imagine you made that list, and then every time the tally mark was made that you didn't get what you wanted, you sued the the in vitro place, right? <laughs> that would be ridiculous. But also, imagine suing because what your choice is after the and I, I will be gracious here, the tragedy that happened to you, right? So imagine you get in a car accident, and then you decide, you know what, I want to move to New York City where we don't have to drive cars anymore. Or move to downtown Chicago. Just some place where you don't have to drive cars anymore. And you go, I'm going to sue you for the expenses of that move. Yeah. It doesn't work that way. You can't, you can't into the future say what you're going to do and sue based upon that. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's very different than when it's like future damages, right? Meaning like, like let's say they uh, negligently like... Like, like, let's say they were supposed to do some genetic test. I'm just going to make this up. Genetic test for like Down syndrome or something. And they didn't do the test. And then the baby comes out with Down syndrome. And so you sue and say, hey, you were supposed to do this test. Now you get to help pay for the care of this, you know, the long-term care with, you know, with me. Right. That would right. be, even that would be even different in this case. Right. But because even that, that's on the line. Yeah. And that's on the line. I purposely picked that because it's right on the line of that. Right. Right. With cystic fibrosis, I could see the argument, right? Yeah, because yeah, that yeah. is definitely a debilitating condition. But you could argue Down syndrome just because you're differently abled intellectually. That doesn't make it a debilitating yeah. condition. It's yep. just you're differently abled. It's right on that line. So that was a great example, William. It's different from if you're in a car accident and you need reconstructive surgery. That's different. That's not a choice you're making. That's something <laughs> you're forced into because of the accident. You get what I'm exactly. saying? I do. Yeah. So this this continues where I love this at the end, right? Because they always need to add some sort of social Well, we have thing to women and minorities article. are hardest hit. Right. So they end this with and this continues with the gender choice thing. Earlier this year, a lesbian couple in New York State sued a fertility clinic after they were assured that their baby was going to be a girl but turned out to be a boy. And what makes this ridiculous is their explanation. Right, this this other couple doesn't really give an explanation in the article about why they want two boys, but these lesbians explained, and it makes me wonder why they're lesbian at this point. Are they actually lesbian, or is this some sort of anti male agenda? Or or they, should should this couple never have children, just based on well, this? Well, I mean, yes, and <laughs> uh, this explanation of why it's important to have a daughter, not a son. We didn't want to have a boy because of the assaults and because of the socialization of boys. There's constant socialization of what it means to be a real man. People say, oh, he's a boy. Let him hit you. And all the camouflaging guns don't help. It reinforces masculinity. And that's a reminder of the assaults every time. So 
Allow me to mind read a little bit. Oh no, are we going to psychologicalize? I'm going to psychologicalize this this (laughs) last sentence, right? It reinforces masculinity. They're not even saying it reinforces toxic masculinity. They're just assuming masculinity is toxic, so they just have a problem with masculinity and gender. And then, and that's a reminder of the assaults every time. One of these women have to have a, suffered some sort of an assault. Yeah, to, to be a, so. Some, there has to be, or or okay, there is another possibility, Justin. This is a darker possibility, just pure on cluster B, right? Like just just narcissism. Um, and and histrionic like just on steroids right right so they're you know they're either engaging in we'll someone say, touched their hand once and right. and and it was rape well right so I'm then not, they would be engaging in trauma porn at that point exactly meaning the the belief system of what it actually means so there's there's some sort of psychological damage here whether it's actually having suffered an actual assault or like you said, being so messed up that you're seeing the world in a flawed way. Because here's the thing. Isn't part of having kids understanding their socialization about what other people put on your kids about what concepts are? And you as a parent are responsible for teaching the kid the, the concepts you believe are correct. And then the kid eventually gets to decide what he or she thinks is the proper concepts. They can agree with the concepts their parents taught them or not. Isn't that what yeah. being a parent is? Yeah, well, you know, neither one of us are parents uh, yet, uh, and I know we've got some parents. Uh, I have. Listeners. I would just like to point out that I have been called a dad by my wrestlers, where they say you're <laughs> a wrestling coach, but you're also like a dad with the way you treat us. And I'm like, oh. well, being a coach is like being a parent. It is. It is. It's more so than being a teacher because you take these kids and you're responsible for their minds and their body. And you, you know, there are some Fridays and Saturdays where you're there with them all day and you're responsible for them eating and them taking care of themselves and their hygiene. So it is very much like parenting sometimes. So, yeah, all that being said, I bet we have some listeners that, that I'd I'd like a quick poll uh, from, from those uh, parents out there, which do you think is harder in today's culture, raising girls or raising boys? Because we're, by destroying, we've we've destroyed, uh, we've amped up uh, toxic femininity to, to such an extent, and we've um, destroyed actual masculinity to such an extent. I think uh, I I could make an argument either way. I think. Yeah, because with the ramping up, we've also destroyed actual femininity as well. Yeah, exactly. So exactly, we've ended up it, destroying it's, it's, both. Right, and that's one of the things coaching girls wrestling is. I want them to be athletes, but I also don't want them to give up their femininity as well. So trying to help them achieve that balance, right? Not everyone who's a stellar athlete who's a woman has to be a lesbian, right? I don't like that stereotype. Oh, I know. Dude, like, not to speak out of turn, but my sister played sports at a very, very high level. And, like, that stereotype (laughs) stereotype was true all the time. She is not a lesbian. (laughs) She is happily married to to a man. Like, but, yeah, that stereotype was a thing, you know? And that's that was a thing even growing up like we did in the 90s and uh, in, in, in her professional career in the 2000s, you know? Yeah. Wrapping back to these parents, though, it's not just these stereotypes that are the issue. William, it's not just the difficulty of raising a boy or girl. They've just completely abdicated on even raising their own child. It's basically, oh, it's better to be a woman. It's easier to be a woman. And that's more morally correct to be a woman. And we're all going to raise that woman together. So we want a daughter. We don't even yeah. want to try with the son. You see how evil that is? It's so evil. Like, I, I, 
I don't know how you can choose the kind of narcissist. I do know how it's narcissism, but how do you think I'm going to bring this unique individual in into this, you know, into reality? And then I'm going to ignore everything about that thing and just make it fit this weird idea, this platonic idea I have of what it means to be my child. Right. And then how what's do the you purpose do... of having a kid if it's not that discovery of figuring out what is this little human and, and, and what what do they want to be? Well, that's where the narcissism come in comes in. And a lot of people use having a kid as a way to make themselves feel good. I mean, in that same token, I'm seeing a lot of things in my Instagram feed now about, you know, Disney influencers, people who just constantly post videos and pictures of going to the park. And there are mothers who do this. You know, I get it if you're like a single girl in your 20s or your 30s, right? I don't necessarily think it's super healthy the way a lot of these people like. What kind of man are you going to pick up trolling around Disney? Well, I mean, right. So that's part of it, certainly. And like I said, I don't think the way a lot of them handle it is completely Let me turn that around. Healthy. I'm still single. Should I be trolling around Disney? Well, you have a higher percentage chance, in, <laughs> that's, especially that's in California. Yes. <laughs> you have a higher Elliot, percentage chance. <laughs> yes. You will find a healthier gay man at Disney, probably, than... These people will find a man. But the point I'm making is I get it, at least if you're like single, right? You Not everyone handles it properly. But once you have kids and you're spending all this time and money, like, don't the kids have the right? And yes, I'm going to say right. Don't the kids have the right for that time and money to be used for them to discover what their interests are besides let's go to Disney again? You're going to tell me if you have two or three kids, they all love Disney as much as you do? Well, they must consume product and then be excited for next product. <laughs> now you're describing Marvel movies, too. There is that <laughs> element of it. But you get what I'm saying about the narcissism of pushing your interests onto the kids as if they must have the same interests. Yeah, yeah. That's something, I mean, talking about as a teacher coach, that's something I've let go, right? I don't even try that. Like, what I love... Like, everyone to work out to pop punk music constantly? Like, can I just play it in the mat room? That ship sailed. They don't like that kind of music. Right? I don't know. Put, put, put on one of the MGK songs, maybe. Well, maybe, yeah, but they all want to, like... They all want to, like, Meg the Stallion and Dua Lipa and... Oh, jeez. Stuff like oh, that. Geez. Yeah. I just hope they don't want Lizzo. That's going to be a problem, <laughs> actually. All right, let's talk about something else the internet was upset about this, this week. Uh... Actually, they weren't upset about the other things. This is something we're upset about. This is something they were upset about. I'm sure you saw this a little bit on the internet, William. Uh, BMW is offering heated seats on a monthly subscription. And everyone was upset about this. They were upset about this because of subscription culture. And, William, you know that's something I'm sympathetic to. I think it's ridiculous nowadays that everyone's trying to get us addicted to their products to the point that everything is a subscription, right? Everything Disney Plus, Walmart Plus, right? Amazon Prime. It's never just like use the service when you want it or buy our product. Join our Patreon at uh, at themidside.com slash Patreon. (laughs) Actually, I I was thinking about it. I know Patreon has had their problems with suspension, but I actually think Patreon is a healthier model than locals because Patreon is like, per thing you give us, we give you something. So you give an episode, we give you a dollar. So it's per product. Whereas locals is more subscription based, where it's like we're just going to give you a flat fee every month 
Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, I get that. All right. It's the same thing like with Disney Plus, right? Let's let's take an example of that or Amazon Prime or whatever you want to use for Paramount Plus, right? You're paying for access to their library. They don't have to update it. They're only updating these libraries and creating all this new content because it's more marketable there and they can get more subscribers. At a certain point, they could just stop making those and then you'd only be paying for access or not. Yeah. Which again... Yeah, it's not like we're putting we're putting all our old episodes behind a paywall or something. Right. Now, again, that makes sense for something like a streaming library, right? I get it. But everything is moving towards this, right? When I'm talking about Walmart Plus, right? The idea that, or, you know, Amazon Prime with the subscription, right? It's it's just, it's kind of crazy that everyone just wants to make it so you get your paycheck and then like a mortgage payment, your paycheck immediately goes to them. That's what everyone's looking for nowadays. They don't want you to be able to think about and make choices about where your discretionary income is going every month or every week or every two weeks or how often you get paid. So I have sympathy for anger over the subscription model. I've voiced it before on the show. However, when the entire internet, especially Twitter and Reddit, get up in arms about something, I have to do research to figure out what's going on. And this BMW Yeah, the devil's thing, in the details. The devil's in the details. Right. This BMW thing is not as insidious as people are making it out to be. So some quotes from an article here from CNN, and this is from CNN. So BMW is now offering British drivers the option of enjoying a heated seat on a monthly subscription basis. Of course, you can still get the heated seats the regular way. Just buy them as an option when you purchase the car. But for those who didn't do that, who bought a used car without the feature, BMW will enable it for a monthly fee so you can try it out. So you can try out having a nice warm seat on a cold day. Heated seats purchased on the subscription basis will cost business, or I keep saying business, British drivers 10 pounds a month, the equivalent of $12. Now, essentially what this is, William, is there's a BMW app and they have uh, the BMW connected drive store and then they have BMW functions on demand as part of that. And it's what this just said. Technology has progressed to the point so much, William, that it used to be when you paid more for a feature such as heated seats, it's because they had to install that hardware specifically into different cars so it costs more to manufacture that car. Now, they're making it so you pay for the feature, but it's cheap enough to install it in all the cars. So, anyone can get that turned on later. Now this makes sense to me. Yeah, check well, me. I think check the, me I think here. The, I don't remember exactly, but I think it's similar, like with Teslas and and some of the auto drive. I think at first it was the hardware wasn't installed if you didn't get it uh, right. at first, right? And right. then eventually it got so. That's good. how it was for everyone in the '90s. The hardware was never installed. Yeah, and then at some point it got so good, and then some of the, and especially on the higher end models where they would just put it in anyway. And then that way, it literally could just be an over-the-air update when you said, yes, I want full self-driving. And what I would say is, at least with the Tesla stuff, you're paying you're paying for the feature. There is hardware in your car that you're unlocking by paying for that feature. But you're also – it's a subscription also because they're constantly updating and improving the feature, right? So you're sort of like buying in you're, – you're, you are getting something going forward, not just like – 
unlocking something you already own, right? Not literally turning on your heated seats. And then if you don't pay, you right. don't get heated seats. Right. So this is a lot of software based, but this is what I would say for stuff like this. William, I, I have no problem with this, but what I would like is this one, keep it the way it is where if you want it turned on, when you buy it, it's a one-time fee. And then two, Keep it the way it is where, hey, if you only want it three months out of the year or four months out of the year because that's when it's cold, you only pay those four months out of the year. You'd have to do the math there and figure out you know, yeah. when you would save money and when it would be worth it. But I think three, you should be able to say to them, okay, I didn't buy this when I got the car, but I've now decided I want this feature or I can now afford it. What is the flat fee I have to pay to turn this on permanently? They don't say if you can do that or not. I would hope they would be able to do that. Likewise, if you're not the initial owner, right, if it's a used vehicle or it's given to you as a gift and that wasn't bought, you should be given the option to pay the flat fee as well. Do you see what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. I can't, I mean, I can't imagine, especially on a car, um, you know, because this gets a little bit into a different area, a right to repair. There's uh, there's... I can't imagine this standing for very long, meaning like hackers are going to get around this eventually and just enable these features. Right. Right. Which and, again, and that would, we also have right. this issue of there's tons of cars even now that are 20 years old or even 10 years old that this over the air shit has all been no longer supported by the dealer. And I think that we're going to see, there's there's a whole class of cars that these things are just not going to work um, ever again, right? And I've uh, always wondered that way with video games. Like I yeah. still have Wii. I don't play it, right? Because I, I don't have any time. But if I were to do Mario Kart Online with Wii, would there be any other players right now? I don't know. You know, I, I, had a, I have a friend, uh, a midsider, um, uh, uh, Leo C Diamond is his cover name. Uh, he, uh, well into, uh, Lou Diamond Phillips, your friends with uh, Lou Diamond Leo Phillips, Leo C. Diamond, Leo C. Diamond. Um, he, uh, he played one of the original call of duties on the original Xbox. Uh, it, there are still people who play that even recently. So, but I think they shut down the Xbox live a few years back. So maybe you can't do that anymore. Or maybe you have to do it on one of the, like you have to buy the old version on one of the newer xboxes to make it work now but uh right. yeah i think it depends on the game but yeah there are some dead games that like there's just no online for like that's something that in the video game industry people were up in arms of like there are some single player games that required online to load and it was like hey what like wtf like i've bought the physical disc and this is a single player game with multiplayer like why do i have to have online in order to even play the the single player right Right, and to continue the video game metaphor here with what you're saying, this goes to the point of it, right? The issue is when we're only given subscription-based alternatives now because you just need to be smart about it. You decide what subscriptions you want to sign up for. Same thing with a car, right? Decide yeah. what features you want to subscribe to and which you want to buy up front. Look, dude, I do not pay for video games, to continue the video game metaphor. I do not pay for video games which have microtransactions. I would straight up rather, like, so South Park Phone Destroyer, that's a great game. But in order to win, in order to succeed, you have to keep making micro micro purchases of upgrades and right. new characters. I would rather pay that game with how well designed it is. I would rather pay it $70 up front to own it 
and then I can continue to engage and it's about my time and effort that helps me improve in the game. But because of the way it is now, I've deleted it. So yep. I've made that decision. It's yeah, the that's same almost thing with every, these car That's companies. almost every mobile game that's not on Apple Arcade, yes. right? Yes. Um, and a lot of, a lot of uh, uh, PC games are that way. Um, look at, yeah, speaking of mobile, I mean, that's one of the things that just went through the gaming press a couple months ago. There was a new Diablo the, uh, uh, game and boy, oh boy, is it, uh, is it pay to win? And, um, uh, and people are uh, not pleased, right? Cause that, that's a classic, you know, uh, IP with like traditions of, uh, um, hard work paying off. And it's like, no, you, you would need to uh, play until the heat death of the universe in order to, uh, to get those things for free. Right. And when we connect that to real life, you have to decide what IPs, what companies, what products are worth the subscription-based model where they're going to keep nickeling and diming you for life, or you have to decide to go somewhere in a different direction. Yeah. Right? Everything is trying to well, move I, to the subscription I would subscription like to propose, if there's, uh, if there's any of our supporters that want to uh, buy a permanent membership, I'm sure we could come up with a price. We'll, we'll, see, we'll live the- by... We'll live by what we uh, what we preach here. We will, but that's also why we always release the episodes for free. There is no paywall, right? Exactly. Because it's your exactly. option with the type of content we create. It's your option if you want to pay us per month, per episode, or not at all. Because that's the type of product we have, right? Yep. If we were making, if we were an apparel company, I wouldn't do a subscription box. Yeah, I don't understand. Like, I don't understand subscription box for apparel, right? They do that now, right? That's part of the subscription model. I would never yeah. pay for that. Yeah. As an adult, uh, can, I don't. Can we contrast this often. with? Yeah, I, let's contrast that. I pay for a prescription, uh, a uh, prescription, a subscription box for dog toys because my dog destroys toys every month, right? Like, there's some toy I'm having to throw away every month. So every month, uh, I get a box that has a couple. Uh, uh, like a bag of some treats that they obviously want me to try and say are is great and want to buy, but then it's like a couple toys, right? Right, and it's cheap and and it's it's perfect. It's exactly and it makes what I need. sense because, like <laughs> you said, that is an expense you have every month, regardless. When I had two cats and I was going through a lot more food and litter, yeah, I belonged to Chewy and I ordered the food and uh, litter on Chewy. On yep. a subscription-based model. But now it doesn't make sense because with one cat, it's not as frequent, and I'm not spending the money monthly. I'm spending it as needed. And that's why you have to decide. It's yep. What it is with these subscription-based models is they're preying on people's narcissism for their need for convenience. Oh, I don't have to think about it anymore, so I'm just going to give you money, and you're going to take care of it. I saw a Walmart commercial recently, William, where they say, our associates will deliver your food and put it away? What? Are, are Stay you out of my that house. lazy? That that is inviting. I'm sorry, dude. Like I understand, like the American Southern mentality of like, oh, we're gonna trust everyone. You think I'm gonna let a Walmart employee into my house to put away stuff? First of all, they're never gonna do it in a way that I'm actually gonna know where it is. I'm just gonna get fucking annoyed because they're never gonna send send the same person twice. And I have an organizational system in my house, right? So you're giving up your own organizational system in your house you're giving up your the the individuality of your house the choice of your house and isn't that a safety concern william yeah i i don't know i'm just i'm just stuck on like i can't 
I have so many places that I put away things that I get from the grocery store or like Walmart or something like that. Like, I don't, I can't even imagine what that would even mean. Here, come up to my closet and put these clothing away. Go into the garage and put this in the box freezer. Uh, right. Now open up these cabinets and put them away. So oh, can you sure organize you put, this cabinet for me? Put five rolls of toilet paper in each bathroom, right? Like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it, it, it makes no uh, sense. Those condoms—they go next to the sex toys. <laughs> Make sure you have three condoms in each room because it can get spontaneous. <laughs> Including sometimes. the kitchen. <laughs> Including the kitchen. Just away from the knives. Uh, uh, so, yeah, the subscription-based model, if you have a problem with it, look at yourself. It's based on your own need for convenience, your own need for simplicity. They're playing on your own emotions to basically steal your money every month. Yeah. There are services where subscriptions are legitimate. That's a theme that we've, we've run into a couple times on the show about people blaming companies for giving consumers what they want. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying they're not taking advantage of the consumers, but you're asking to be taken advantage of. Oh, no, I'm blaming the victim. I'm blaming the victim. That's one of the things I hate with the victim-blaming culture. We can't do it. You can put yourself in harm's way. Even if somebody takes advantage of you, which is wrong, I don't agree with the subscription model for all of these companies. I don't. I'm very clear about that on this episode and previously on the show and in my life. But you're still making it easy for them. You're still inviting them to do it. So think about that. All right. Anything else you want to talk about with Life on the Midside, William? I think that's good. Maybe one quick shout-out uh, the next uh Ring of Power, the Amazon Lord of the Rings monstrosity has dropped another teaser, and oh my god, I, I, I might just watch the first episode when it comes out, just so we we can uh, review it. But uh, my hopes uh, are are completely dashed. This show is going to be any at any at all entertaining. The only thing I see is Weta's doing the graphics, and there's some great visuals. But it's not a good sign when you still have no idea what the show is about. They're still dropping teaser trailers a month out from release. Okay, so I have a proposal for you, William. All right. I propose a special Patreon exclusive <laughs> episode where we do where a watch along. <laughs> I think we could do that if we can stomach it. I'm, I'm okay with doing a first episode watch along because that's the only way I'm going to watch it. And that's the only way I'm going to review it. So I think that's what we should do for this All show. Right. Is we watch Let's it see. together. We record. And, unless. Oh, yeah, we can do it live. And we'll do it live. Do it live. Yeah. And you can watch along with us in the Discord. But we'll also record it and throw it up and throw it up on Patreon, so only Patreon subscribers can listen to it retroactively. How does that sound? All right, sounds sounds like a blast. So now you need to tell me when it premieres, so I can be ready to do the watch along for the premiere at the same time as you. All right, I'll send the deets. All right, well that's a good transition into starting to talk about art in the hopeful romantic with JML. As always, if you'd like to continue the conversation with us during the week, you can do so on our Discord channel. That's where we'll be doing the live watch-along of the Ring of Power. Rings of Power? What is this? The Captain Planet in the Planeteer yeah. Rings of Rings Power? Of power. Rings of Power. Amazon's Ring, Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power. 
I mean, I would assume, like, okay, so there is in Lord of the Rings, is there one ring? The Ring of Power? Uh, well... There's the there's the rings that were forged, right? The three for the elves, uh, uh, nine for men, and seven for dwarves. I think is the numbers. Uh, someone will call me out if I got that backwards. But they were all corrupted, uh, except for the three elven rings. Um, and uh, and then the one ring was forged in secret by Sauron, and that's the third age, right? But this is this story is set in the second age. So this okay, is when they were before, like before and as the second as the one ring was uh, was forged. So this is like Game of Thrones, where it's like, we've already told the most interesting part of our story. Let's go to the prequel where we tell the less interesting part of the story. And yes. you're still going to be interested. It's it's stupid. Game of Thrones is like, oh, are they they're doing the, Tar- the Targaryens prequel, yeah, right? House of the Dragon, yeah. Right, which is like, no, if that was the interesting part, that was the part George R.R. R. Martin would have told. Anyway, as I was saying, you can continue the conversation with us during the week. We do our live recordings on Discord. You could be listening to us live right now. Maybe you are. Maybe you're hearing me say you could and be like, I am. Okay, I get it. You're here already. Jeez, leave me alone. Okay? Uh, Just go to themidside.com or themidside.com slash podcast. Click on any episode. And on that episode, there's a link to join our Discord. We'd love to hear from you. All right. For the review this week, I saw... Where the Crawdads Sing. I saw this mainly because my wife wanted to. She saw, she read the book and wanted to see it. Uh, it's produced by Reese Witherspoon. and set in the South, set in North Carolina, although I think it should have been set in, in New Orleans. And if you remember with Trailer Takedown, this looked kind of decent. Looked like it could be good, could be bad. Um, so I'm going to now read my letterboxed review of the movie and then explain it a little bit. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this movie, and you'll see why in a second. Ultimately, Where the Crawdads Sing doesn't have a definitive creative vision as it rotates through being an homage to The Notebook, a murder mystery, a feminist allegory, and naturalistic Oscar bait. So this movie starts out with, hey, there's a murder. And this girl who's called Marsh Girl is accused of the murder. And the man who volunteers to defend her says, I don't really know you. Even though I've seen you around, I don't know you, and I can't defend you if I don't know you. So the movie then switches between small scenes of the trial and learning about Marsh Girl and her history. But here's the thing. The movie ends up being about her entire life. Literally, not her birth, but you know her childhood where she's like six to eight years old, all the way to her death. Sorry, spoiler alert. Everybody dies, right? There's walkers in the barn and Lori's pregnant. Yeah, worst spoiler ever, right? Because I'm not going to spoil, you know, who commits the murder and if, you know, if she's found not guilty or guilty, right? I'm not going to spoil any of that. All I'm going to say is there's the murder mystery story, which is kind of interesting. If they had made that the focus of the story, that could have been kind of cool. There's the romance side of it, like where it's kind of like the notebook and there are two different guys and... You know, one's sort of, it's the romance, pulpy romance novel where it's like, you know, one's sort of the bad guy for her and one's sort of the good guy for her, right? You know, the, uh, trying to think, uh, like True Blood, right? Where you had the multiple guys for her, the vampire Eric, the, uh, the vampire Bill, right? All these different types of guys. There's that element of it. And then there's the naturalism where it's like, well, this is why the forces of nature that are upon her cause her to act the way she did and have the, the life she had. And you put all these together 
And it, it's a very, very uneven movie. And as you continue, the movie gets worse because it's the opposite of what you said earlier. Well, you said integrated, right? At the top of the show, you were like, you see things from an integrated manner and you're able to put it all together. And that's the thing when I look at a movie like Where the Crawdads Sing. I think that there's a lot going on that's good technically. A lot of the directing, you know, framing was interesting. The cinematography was interesting. Obviously, they chose a ma- like the locations. Whoever was the location scout, who the locations manager for this movie, they did an excellent job. Right? Some of the sets were great. I would say the costuming's pretty good. The acting can be good at times. There's a few people in there who I've known from other stuff who do pretty well in here. There are others who aren't as good. But there are a lot of things. The, the music has some at times where it's very strong. There are a lot of elements that succeed technically, but they don't integrate because the movie doesn't have a clear creative vision of what it wants to be. Does that make sense, William? Yeah. It sounds like <clears throat> it sounds like they weren't sure what they wanted to do other than probably be Oscar bait. Right. Be Oscar bait and be a Reese Witherspoon Southern movie because that seemed, you know, she's from New Orleans, that seems to be what she succeeded with. When we talk about like Sweet Home Alabama, those kind of movies with her. But I think it's also not just what they didn't want to be. They knew what they wanted to be, but they didn't know how to integrate it properly, right? You can't have naturalism and the kind of murder mystery they were going for. You can't have naturalism and a notebook-style movie. Those things are at odds with each other, and they didn't find a way to make it fit. And I'm bringing this up because I think this is common nowadays. I think a lot of movies succeed technically on some sort of elements, but they don't have an overall integrated vision. What do you think, William? Yeah, I think that's very, very true. I think there's a, uh, some of the specialties have gotten so well in filmmaking are so good in filmmaking. And while, while some of them we don't like, you know, I'm thinking of, uh, you know, I'm looking at you transformers and shaky cam and things like that and, uh, naturalistic lighting and things like that. There, there's still, there's still a technical aspect of which, and we've talked about this before, like making a movie today, you have so many tools available to you. There's so many things that you can do, uh, that, 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 that not only are technically proficient, but would be considered technically brilliant back in the day, um, that it just comes sort of for free, quote unquote, and not for free in the sense of it doesn't cost, but in the sense of like, it's readily available. And, uh, but you know, what's not readily available is good storytelling. Yes. And this is something that uh, actually what you just said about the, the technical means being readily available and being well executed by a number of people. That's something we'll talk about with the trailers here in a second. There's one trailer where that really stood out to me in in particular. So just something to, to look for going forward is what are you seeing a movie for? Right. And when we review stuff, when I review stuff. You know, we've talked about spectacle and catharsis before. That's part of it, right? Marvel is excellent with the spectacle aspect of it. But a lot of movies lack catharsis. This movie is one that lacks catharsis, right? Because it isn't integrated. Just when you're watching, what are you watching for? It's okay to watch a movie, not necessarily for catharsis. You can oh, engage yeah. with what our... summer blockbusters for, except for spectacle. Right. I mean, when it has right. catharsis, that's just icing on the cake. Right. And what looking elements... at you, Independence Day. Right, and what elements are you seeing as a spectacle? If you want to yeah. watch a movie just because it has beautiful costumes, go ahead. Nobody's judging you for it. 
That's fine if that's what you want to watch for, as long as you're aware of what you're watching for. So with a movie like this, if you want to watch it because you're like, oh, wow, I really want to, like, get in that ambiance of, like, the 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 swamp, the marsh in North Carolina because there aren't a lot of movies like that, it definitely succeeds in that. It definitely succeeds in that. But overall, I judge movies based on their integration, and when I give a review, it's based on their integration. And this movie, it's just... This is a no, bro. It's not like the worst movie ever, but this is not a good movie overall because it's so uneven. But like I said, it executes certain elements well. And if that's what you want to see it for, I'm not going to stop you because then that's not worth my time. Like, do what you want to do, right? And obviously I saw it, so whatever. All right, that's a movie that is out. Let's talk about movies that are going to come out. Trailer Takedown. I usually put the trailers in the Discord on Saturday. That's so you can watch them ahead of time and give us your comments. We love to be able to read your comments on the trailers. Or maybe, you know, you watch a trailer, we talk about it. You watch a trailer, we talk about it. Trailer Takedown. First trailer. She said, is Hollywood blowing itself? And look, I'm not even going to like waste my time trying to summarize like what's going on in this movie because fuck this movie. And what I mean by that is this is about uh, the New York Times covering the Harvey Weinstein scandal. So Hollywood now and now here's the thing. I understand Hollywood is not all the same people. Right. It's not all the same people. I don't know who's producing this movie. So I don't want you to think I'm putting everyone in the same group. But Hollywood now, the industry that enabled Harvey Weinstein and this type of behavior across the board and then tried to say, you know, the Me Too movement, which was especially legitimate for Hollywood, is legitimate for the entire culture and entire world, is now making a movie celebrating the coverage and exposure of Harvey Weinstein as if we all just didn't experience that and see that firsthand this story really needed to be told this is another example of Hollywood writers thinking that they're not conventional and giving us a completely conventional idea the idea that oh look how important the whistleblowers are look how moral and heroic the whistleblowers and the reporters are and there is nothing visually interesting about this or the acting, or I don't want to say, or I want to say, and, and the acting does not look any sort of bit interesting. Tackle. Tackle. Yeah. Is this is like, this is, this smells like rewriting history too, right? Like, this is like, this is like, oh yeah, this is like the New York Times, like, this is the left trying to congratulate itself for me too, right? When really, like, there's nothing more left than Hollywood. Like, what what the fuck? Right. And, William, to add to what you're saying about the rewriting of history, if this was an open secret about Harvey Weinstein, how long did reporters... I didn't even talk about this element. How long did reporters at the New York Times... How many? How long did people know, apparently, about Bill Cosby being a creep? Right. Right. Tackle. Tackle. Tackle... Second trailer. I Love My Dad stars Patton Oswald as a father whose son is trying to keep him at a distance by blocking him on social media and not responding to his phone calls. So the dad creates a catfish profile to keep tabs on him, but ends up communicating with him. And this profile is a young woman who the son starts to fall in love with. This is basically the catfish movie that hasn't been made yet that 
I've been waiting to see made. Uh, <laughs> it has a good cast. Little Ray Howery is also in this, which uh, I'm going to say because that goes into the next trailer as well. I'm just not so sure about the overall execution of this, right? This is sort of something that we were saying about all the means being available. I just, I don't know if maybe this could have been done better. So I'm very, very skeptical about this. And while I like the premise and there's some interesting humor, I don't know if there's enough in this that makes me want to see it and be excited for it. So this is like a reluctant tackle. Tackle? Yeah, I. this seems like there would be a lot of awkward moments, and I, I have like a, a, a threshold of, of, of purposely awkward moments uh, that I can handle uh, uh, in, a, in a film, and I, I think this is just going to be awkward moment after awkward moment. I just don't think I would, even if it were well integrated, which I don't see a lot of uh, evidence in the trailer that it is, I think it, it just, overall, I wouldn't be able to watch it, so I'm... I, I I'm I am as skeptical as you, but then what pushes me over the edge is like I, this just seems like it would be too awkward for me. So tackle, tackle, third trailer. Spin me round stars Allison Brie as a chef. It's 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 unclear, but her company <laughs> sends her to Italy to be trained and meet the owner of the company, who then starts a romance with her, which is kind of sketchy. Right, because it's like, did he see her coming? Is he manipulating her? And the, I'm not sure if the trailer was playing that up or not. I don't know if I want the trailer to play that up or not. I don't know if I want the movie to tra- play that up or not because that's sort of the malevolent universe of the social justice movement, saying that you know this whole trip is set up and this guy takes advantage of these employees that come over. Right, he scouts them out ahead of time and sets a seduction plan if they go in that direction. But I will say, similar to the last trailer, this has a tremendous cast. Again, little Ray Howery is in this movie. It was very surreal, William, watching two trailers in a row. I was like, wait, that's the same actor in the same costume, delivering lines the same way. <laughs> I was like, is that the same wait, character? is this a cinematic universe? <laughs> that's exactly... I was like, is this the little Ray Howery cinematic universe? And then I stopped and I thought, I go, I might watch that. <laughs> I like that guy. He's funny. He's very funny. He's great in this. Allison Brie is great, right? Molly Shannon. This is the kind of role she seems to uh, succeed in. They've got the guy who played Jared in um, Silicon Valley in here. This is a great cast. But again, with the technical means that are available, why are indie flicks obsessed, William, with this like washed out aesthetic? I don't, I don't know. Get I was gonna. I was gonna bring that up. I was like, "Why is why is everything so muted? What is yeah. going on here? Why why can't we have vibrant, independent?" I, I, I'm glad you point out this independent because I was like, "Why is this so washed out? Why is this so like dull?" Well, I think both of these are independent because it was the same thing. It was like, "Here's a movie that was played at South by Southwest and was successful and has Little Ray Howery." And I was like, "Wait, are these the same movie? Because these two movies are shot very similar, right?" And it's the same thing with, I never understood indie music as a genre, right? Like, indie yeah. is like you make things independently from a production company or, like, a, a music label. Why is that a genre? Why do you have to have a Yeah, why, why does it have a musical sound? style? Yeah, yeah, why right. does it have a musical style? And it's the same thing here. I get it a little more with filmmaking because filmmaking is more expensive, so the technology that was available to independent filmmakers probably put them more in a box, 
But yeah, nowadays, you, could, you could imagine there would be a different language too. Maybe the language of the film might be a little different. You know, we talk about the language of film, and right. sort of. So maybe that could be a little different. Right. But nowadays, William, with the availability of the technology and the technical expertise that is out there among everyone, I mean, I walk into a friend's house and he's got pictures. Him and his wife have pictures that they framed on their wall that they took that are absolutely beautiful because they were like, we realize how good the iPhone camera is that I can take professional level pictures. If anyone can do that nowadays, there's no excuse to have this same aesthetic. So especially because this movie does not know or does not show what it is, and I'm not sure if this is like a feminist bullshit movie or not, as good as this cast is, right, and as good as they are acting in this trailer, I just, there's not enough here that makes me want to see this movie and not be afraid of it. The last trailer, it's sort of like, ah, you know, it could be a little awkward and there's not enough that makes me say, oh, you know, this is going to be good. But there's not enough here to show me that this isn't going to be bad, especially technically for me to see anything to want to see besides like, oh, hey, Allison Brie looks good in this. And why would I just not then watch old episodes of Community? Tackle. Tackle. Yeah, I think that I commented a bunch during during your review, but that I, I definitely got the this just like feels just so like indie like i'm trying to be indie so i'm gonna give it the pretentious tackle tackle final trailer bodies 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 is supposedly a horror comedy and i say that because it's described as a horror comedy and in the trailer there's a review that pops up that says it's very funny but there's one joke in this entire fucking trailer like i i've seen the poster and the poster is like this isn't a safe space And it looks very neon and it's playing up the idea that these are the different teenagers that could be the victims. So the story here is like this lesbian couple goes up to a cabin and they play a game. You know, they play the game murderer. Remember the game in drama class you played where people had to like fake their deaths and yeah, yeah, you, you, whatever everyone did was they put their head down and someone tapped you. The teacher tapped you and you were the murderer. So you went up to people and shook their hand. And when you did, you scratched their their palm and you had to walk away and then die and act out your death. And so everybody had to figure out who the murderer was. And the point was to improve your acting skills by not being able to a not showing you're the murderer and b not giving up who the murderer is when you do your death scene. So they take this and then presumably they do that and the power goes out and one person actually starts killing people and you're trying to figure out who it is. I mean, one of the kind of jokes was Pete Davidson was like, I'm not the killer. It's too obvious, which then makes me think he's the killer, right? Because that's what these pretentious movies do. But And then he's the one who also has the joke at the end of the trailer where somebody gives him zucchini bread and he's like, thanks. And it's it's funny. I laughed and I saw this trailer and actually before where the crawdads sing. Um, and it, w- it was funny. I laughed. But I'm someone who loves horror comedy and I want to know where the horror comedy is. Where is the comedy in this? I mean, it looks like it might be a meta movie about like these type of movies, but didn't Scream already do that? And then here's the nail in the coffin for me for this one, William. This is an A24 movie. Oh, so I, I think the comedy is pretentious comedy, hipster comedy, where it's like, you know, thumbing your nose at something, you know, your nose is in the air and oh, I'm so much smarter than this. 
right? Horror comedy is funny when it revels in what horror is, but does it in an over-the-top manner so the horror isn't taken seriously, right? Horror can get really grotesque when it is very serious in showing the destruction and the evil in the world. But if you make the evil inert by making it so over the top and ridiculous, it then becomes horror comedy. And that's when it's really, really funny because you're laughing at evil and you're saying evil actually has no effect. This seems to be saying, you know, evil does have an effect and we're so much smarter than it that it can't get us because of how smart we are. That's the A24 feeling I get for this. So as much as I want to like this, because I love the the poster's excellent. I will say that the poster, if you can see the poster, it's an excellent poster. Trailer, not so much. Tackle. Tackle. Well, uh, I will preface this by saying I've never watched any of his stand-up, but Pete Davidson continues to have never made me laugh. Tackle. Tackle. Uh, with Pete Davidson, you need to watch his movie with Bill Burnett on, I think it's on Amazon. Forget what it's okay. called. King, no, The King of Staten Island. That's a pretty good movie. It's worth no, seeing. I, I don't I'll know how give it a chance. It I want I want Pete Davidson to make me laugh. But I, I look, want, I want to give Burr him a chance. It's Bill Burr too. Well, Bill Burr is going to make me laugh no matter what. Which, by the way, his new stand-up special. If no, if people haven't watched it, you should watch it. It's pretty, pretty good. Pretty good. All right, that's the end of this episode. What did we learn this trip, William? I learned that there's a chance Pete Davidson might be able to make me laugh. Justin, what did you learn this trip? Uh, I learned that if I was forced to watch one of these four movies, because I did four tackles, oh, I would geez. watch I Love My Dad, because it's Patton Oswald, and I like the I like the, the premise. I like the catfishing premise there. Even though it's really fucking weird and awkward, that's an episode of Catfish. And you would expect more of this to happen on the show Catfish. You would expect it to be more the schlubby dude in his 50s, the schlubby white guy in his 50s, and that doesn't happen often on the show. So I'd give it a chance, if forced to, to pick out of these four. All right, I want to thank everyone for listening to the show. As I always say, if it wasn't for you, this would just be me talking crazy into the corner in my closet. It still is that, but you make me feel a little bit less crazy, especially when I check out the Midside Ledger. So thank you. Thanks for listening, and thanks for your support. You know, midside.com slash store. I already forgot what T-shirt I was supposed to make, so somebody help me and remind me what T-shirt I'm supposed to make. Maybe I'll look into that over the next couple of weeks before school starts again. Or you can do the Patreon.com or, Patri- or Locals.com, the Midside.com slash Patreon, the Midside.com slash Locals. Patreon's per episode. Locals is per month. That is how we keep the lights on. And the best way to grow this show is to tell a friend. Let's get the show growing again. Let's think about that, Midsiders. Oh, yeah. How can we get this show growing again? I think this show still has potential. I think the last few episodes have been pretty good. Let's keep it rolling into the future. This concludes your journey into the Midside. I'm Justin Emblesneski reminding you that if things get tough, take a step back and witness the farce. Have a trapper keeper. I know you don't have the drop, but I wish you had uh, the Trapper Keeper episode of South Park. I keep thinking about that every time you say Trapper Keeper. (laughs) Oh, see if I had done more show prep. I'm sorry I flew in late last night. I was going to say last night when I when I 
flew in, uh, flew back. I watched uh, the first half of MGK's movie that's on Hulu. It was actually pretty good. Uh, nice little behind the scenes of the album and stuff like that. It was almost like watching the like uh, behind the scenes of a movie. Um, oh, the documentary so watch- on his yeah. Uh, career. Yeah, my wife well, put that on. Christine put that on, and I was like, I don't want to watch this. And then I did, and I was like, I actually ended up with more respect for him I did after too. watching it. Because there was yeah. one point where he was complaining about the set or something, and he was like, yeah. this is like you buy a Van Gogh and then you cover it up. Why would you do that? And I was like, wow, this guy actually has a sense of art. Yeah, yeah. I, I came away, uh, I was afraid I was going to come away with, uh, with uh, you know, destroyed uh, expectations. But no, it was, uh, I actually got a, a little bit more respect for him too. So yeah, check it out. Yeah, not bad. I agree. Check it out. 